Hey guys, and thanks for checking out this episode of the John Campia Show podcast, the audio-only version of the John Campia Show on YouTube. This episode was recorded on Thursday, August the 6th, 2020, titled Captain Marvel 2 Hires Candyman Reboot Director. We're glad that you're joining us, guys. Remember, if you're listening to this podcast, you can also get a common question in the live questions part of the show by simply using the tip link in the description of this podcast at streamelements.com slash movieblogtv slash tip. You'll be getting your common question on the show and supporting the show at the same time. And for now, let's get to the episode. And our first main topic today gets submitted to us by Colin Tipton, who writes, so it was announced yesterday that Mulan would be premiering on Disney Plus. Yes, which we basically dedicated the whole show to uh, with a $30 price tag. It surprised me because I figured if they weren't doing that with New Mutants, then there's no way that they would do that with any of their major projects. But here we are. My question simply is. Why didn't they choose to try this with New Mutants first? Thanks and keep up the great work. All right. Thanks a lot for sending that in, man. And yeah, listen, one of the things that a lot of people have been asking about ever since that news came out that they were going to be moving uh, Mulan to Disney Plus first, where you got to be a Disney Plus subscriber and you got to pay a $30 fee on top of that. Uh, A lot of people have been asking the questions, well, why didn't they do that with this movie? Why didn't they do that with that movie? How come they didn't? Like, I've been getting a lot of messages asking about 30 or 40 different films. Why didn't they do this? But New Mutants is a logical one to ask about. Because New Mutants is a movie they that literally finished shooting like almost three years ago. They started shooting the film almost five years ago, which is crazy. These these kids are going to be bringing their grandchildren to the world premiere when it finally happens. But they do finally have a date. So... Why do something like this with Mulan and not with New Mutants? To me, there are two primary reasons. One reason is this, is that I think they knew that doing it with New Mutants really wasn't going to tell them anything. Like New Mutants isn't a property that has a a lot of following already. I mean, a lot of people don't even know that it's associated with X-Men, even though the movie itself is very, very loosely associated with X-Men anyway. So so there's that. But, you know, it's not this thing like Mulan is a popular IP. It was a huge popular animated blah, blah. It was going to be big. I don't know that Disney felt like we're going to learn anything by putting New Mutants on. Like if nobody at all subscribes to it, that doesn't really tell us anything. And if 10 million people get it, that doesn't really tell us anything either. So number one, I don't think they felt like there was much that they could learn from it because it's a very different scenario than say Mulan is. It's also the fact that it's found money, right? Like Fox paid for it all. This was just a part of the acquisition. This movie was shot by the time Disney picked up New Mutants. So there's that. Anything they get from a theatrical release is gravy to Disney at this point. The other thing, and I think this might be the bigger thing, is you got to remember, we talked about this a little bit earlier. Remember a couple of weeks ago, people were asking, do you think at Comic-Con they're going to announce putting New Mutants on streaming? And I said, well, it's possible, but one of the big hurdles of that is that they actually have some contractual obligations with people involved in the film that this film gets a theatrical release. That's not always put into contracts, but this was a big deal. We talked about this before that New Mutants has some the- has contractual obligations with, I believe, the director, a number of the cast, a couple of the producers, that this film gets a theatrical release. So unless Disney wanted to step up, break out the checkbook, and write some big checks to people to forego 
a theatrical release, which just makes the movie more expensive for them, that was going to be not insurmountable, but a hard one to sort of overcome. Aaron, I know you weren't here yesterday when we were talking about the whole idea about mm-hmm. Mulan moving. But when you think about, you know, the fact that they did choose Mulan to do this, what's the first thing that comes to your mind when you think about, well, why did they choose Mulan instead of a movie like New Mutants? I think you hit it right there on the head because Mulan is really the litmus test. It is the big kahuna of what they have to offer that's on their slate. Um, Mulan has, as you said, a much wider audience. And also, you know, for anybody out there who has kids and... I don't yet, but I am a godmother and auntie to many, many, many children all over the country. And the number one thing when it comes to any new Disney movie that comes out is uh, the parents constantly saying, yep, I know every word of this movie because we have watched it 25 times. That is a movie that Mulan could be. Mulan could be the kind of movie that parents go, you know what? I'm willing to shell out 30 bucks because, you know, as Tom and I were talking last night, he was like, 30 bucks, that's a lot. And I go, well, think about it. If it was me, you, and two kids, plus, you know, soda, plus bathroom breaks, it makes a lot more sense to pay 30 bucks to watch it at home. But I'm sure you covered all that yesterday. The reality, though, is that if I'm a parent and I know that my kid is one of those kids who watches every Disney movie 20 times, I'm willing to pay that for Mulan because I know that we're going to get our money's worth. New Mutants, I don't necessarily know. I mean, what is the rating on New Mutants anyway? It's definitely not G. No, no, it's probably, it's PG-13. Right. And so that's the thing is that automatically that's a huge market. And obviously I know before I get anybody saying it, I know that it's not just children that are watching, but I'm specifically talking right now about those parents that are going to go, you know, my kids aren't going to watch New Mutants, and they're not going to watch it twenty five times. Well, also because it's partially being described as a horror film. That's like a exactly, film, yeah. you know, it it does it just doesn't have as wide of a reach, and it's also not, like I'll watch New Mutants. Will I watch it over and over and over again? Probably not. Whereas with Mulan, yeah, I want to see Mulan, but I also am going to want to rewatch Mulan whenever my nephews and my nieces come over. I'm going to want to rewatch Mulan whenever I'm with my godkids. You know, that's a movie that has the kind of staying power of being able to really get your money's worth, whereas New Mutants just doesn't. And I feel like, you know, this is one of those movies that, you know, they've held on so long, you might as well continue to hold on until you have the right scenario. And yeah, Disney paying extra money to get themselves out of a contract or to sidestep a certain aspect of a contract makes absolutely no sense. They are just going to try to make, a, they're going to try to squeeze any juice they can out of New Mutants at this point. That's possible, and they're definitely not going to want to lose money on it. One of the other things about this, too, is this, is that right now, New Mutants, and they just did this, they just announced this at Comic-Con, they're keeping their August 28th release date. And, you know, how many, I mean, there are some theaters opening in the United States right now. I think, you know, Robert and I are talking about this, it seems like they're just, I feel like they're just going to keep that release date and put it out in whichever theaters are available to be Georgia. Like Georgia, but also uh, there's a number of other states. We went over the list of all the states that have some theaters open right now. Right. And because that does a couple things. Number one, again, they're just looking at any money they make on this thing in in box office right now is just bonus Mm -hmm. at this point. 
The other thing is it's kind of like an olive branch to the theatrical industry saying, hey, we're putting out a new movie in theaters, right. even though everything, there's limited seating, all that kind of, we're doing that for you guys right now. I feel like it's a little bit of an olive branch to the movie fans out there that do want to go to the movies, whatever. So I think they're still going to stick with that. And that's another reason why they do that. Anyway, the question. Well, what, what, uh, really quick, just uh, to, to add on to that, I um, mean, to ask you if this is the same thing. You know how like when a movie wants to be an Oscar contender, sometimes they'll only theatrically release it in like New York and L.A. so that they have that. Is that sort of a similar thing? Yeah. Is is that similar? Like as long as they put it in certain number of theaters, they fulfill their contractual obligation and they can just throw it on the platform. Oh, oh yeah, that's definitely it. Okay. Like, when once they put it, thank in you the for theaters, clarifying. Then they can start because right now. They when they put in theaters, they're going to have to then observe the theatrical window, which is three months, right? 90 days. Right. But they can't start that clock until they put it in theaters. So once they put it in theaters in August, they might just be thinking, let's get into whatever theaters are out there on August 28th. That way we can start the countdown clock of the theatrical window. So in August, uh, September, October, November. So by end of November, we can actually put it out on streaming and we've fulfilled all of our contractual yeah. obligations. So that's one of the big things there. Question is for you guys. Why do you think maybe Disney opted to go with releasing a Mulan on Disney Plus as opposed to something like a New Mutants? Do you agree with our reasons? Do you have some others? Jump down to the comments section below and let us know your thoughts. All right. With that down, let's move on to main topic number two. And our second main topic today gets submitted to us by uh, Xander Saris, who writes, Greetings, John. Well, greetings. Do you think Tenet will get delayed or debut on VOD slash HBO Max because the release date September 3rd is a day before Disney's Mulan heading to Disney Plus on September 4th, which could concern Warner Brothers movie audiences staying home watching Mulan instead? It's been delayed so many times that I'm about to give up on Tenet and just watch Mulan instead for $29.99. What are your thoughts? All right. Thanks a lot for sending that in, man. And as far as the first part of your question, do I think they'll put Tenet out on VOD or, you know, or HBO Max? Uh, no chance in hell. And the reason other movies may not be no chance in hell. Tenet is no chance in hell. Why? Because Warner Brothers likes working with Christopher Nolan. Christopher Nolan is all about theatrical release. And if they released it on, if they decided to take Tenet and bypass the theatrical release, they'll never gonna, they're never going to work with Christopher Nolan again. Christopher Nolan will never work with them again. That's been clear. Christopher Nolan was trying really hard to push them to release it in July. Obviously, that became an impossibility. So they kept bumping it and bumping it, but they are. But on top of that, they've also just announced that they've just absolutely secured the Chinese release of Tenet, which will be on September 4th as well. So they've secured the Chinese release. They've got their international markets that they're going to release it in, and they'll release it wherever in the U.S. that they can on September 3rd. At the end of August, though, they're releasing it around the world. And I think 70 different countries, they said. They're going to release it in 70 different countries. One week later, they'll open it in the U.S. where they can. But they're definitely going to open it in China where they can in China. Because not all the theaters are open in China either. But even if that gets delayed, they're not going to bypass the theatrical window. Because again, Christopher Nolan. They want to be in the Christopher Nolan business. On top of all that, um, do I think they should move the date? Because Mulan is now releasing on Disney+. Plus like the day before on the third or, or the, right around the same time. 
No. We've we've had this discussion before about other things. You know, there have been times, and I can't remember what the movie was, but you know, Punisher was getting released on Netflix on a certain day that happened to be the same day that a theatrical release was coming out. Made no significant difference. It made no significant... Some difference? Sure. There's obviously going to be some people that stayed home to watch Punisher instead, but you got to remember Punisher was going on Netflix. It was going to be there all the time. They could literally wait or two movie comes out in theaters. It's going to be there for a couple of weeks and then it's gone. So really what we've seen before when we've had situations like this, where a significant television property was dropping versus a, a, a significant movie that was dropping in theaters at the same time, it never really made much difference to either. And so with Disney plus having Mulan, there's not that sense of urgency. You know, people haven't been, it's not like people have been unable to watch stuff at home. And all of a sudden now there's something to watch at home. We haven't had new material coming out in the theaters. So I really don't see this affecting and it has nothing to do with it being Mulan. It has nothing to do with it being Tenet. I just think, you know, Aaron, we have seen this situation before with something big dropping on TV and something big dropping in the movie theaters at the same time. Neither have moved and it's never really affected the other all that much. So I don't see any reason why Mulan should be worried that Tenet's opening in theaters. I don't see any reason why Tenet should be worried that Mulan's opening up on television. So I really don't think it's going to, you're going to see anything move other than being pandemic related. Pandemic issues may force Tenet to move, but I don't think the Mulan thing is. What are your thoughts on this, Aaron? I completely agree with you. It's really apples and oranges. I also think that other than a, a specific you know, a, a faction of just film fans in general who want to see every movie, you know, every great movie that comes out or every exciting movie that's coming out as soon as it comes out. Outside of that core group of fans, you really are looking at a totally different demographic for the kind of people that are going to be really wanting to see Mulan first thing opening weekend and the kind of people that are going to want to see Tenet first thing opening weekend. These are very, you know, um, uh, it's just a completely they're they're not comparable films and also i you know I, I applaud christopher nolan for really sticking to his guns on this because this is a movie that really needs to be seen in a theater and i will say this if you know the th theaters currently in los angeles are all still closed if i'm not wrong they're, they're all still closed correct okay thank you and so if this were to come out on VOD anyway, which I obviously it's not going to, but even if it did, I wouldn't want to see it on VOD. I want to see this movie on a big screen the way that it was intended. There are some movies like this isn't Marriage Story that is just a, that's a narrative that you can watch at home. This is the kind of film that needs to have that grand scale of seeing it in a movie theater, at least for the first couple of times. And agree as well the pandemic may move it but it won't have anything to do with it potentially competing with mulan because you're right it won't and if i can go to the movies if and also if i'm somewhere where there is a movie theater that's opening you know every day the dynamic is changing mm. in our country and in, in our mm. world where you know wherever the pandemic is still a big issue for you know for the population this is something where I'm going to go the first night that I can because I don't know that my movie theater is going to stay open. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> yeah. yeah, your movie theater might be open the weekend that Tenet comes out, but it might not be open the next weekend. So if it does come out in theaters and you have a theater, put on your mask, socially distance yourself and go to the theater. Yeah, it's funny because uh, Christopher Nolan just put out, you can find this on YouTube, guys, uh, Chinese Tenet Chinese IMAX trailer. 
Uh, Christopher Nolan just put one out. And the first half of it is just Christopher Nolan doing an introduction to the Chinese audience. He goes, uh, hello to my movie friends in, in China. He goes, you know, I'm so thrilled to be bringing Tenet to you the way I made this movie to be watched on mm -hmm. the big screen, blah, blah, blah. So he's really hardcore all about Good. that. Question is, guys. What do you think about that? Do you think maybe it would be behoove Tenet to move dates just to avoid the television launch of Mulan? I don't think that there's a there's that's necessary at all. Maybe you do, and you can think of some rationale that I'm not thinking of right now. Jump down into the comments section below and let me know your thoughts. All right, guys. With that down, let's move on to main topic number three. And our third main topic today gets submitted to us by Chris Pat, who writes... It was just announced that Tom Hanks is in early talks to play Geppetto in the Disney live-action Pinocchio. Hanks has name recognition that drives an audience fan base, not that Disney struggles with that. However, I found it interesting that this would be a reunion of Zemeckis and Hanks. They have worked together for Castaway and Forrest Gump, and don't forget about that animated film, uh, the Polar Express. Uh, don't forget about that one. They worked together on uh, Castaway and Forrest Gump, most notably. And yes, you are right. It sounds like they have... Now, the official word is that Tom Hanks has officially entered negotiations for it. But you got to remember, once you've gotten to that point of negotiations, it doesn't always work out. But that means that the producers decided, yep, you're the actor we want. And the actors decided, yes, I would like to be in this movie. Now they just got to work out the details. Again, you got Zemeckis, who I think they, they announced back in 2018 was going to direct this thing. That's how long this has been gestating. So Hanks and Zemeckis clearly like working together. They're working out their deal. I would be shocked if this doesn't work out. So let's just go with the assumption that Tom Hanks is going to end up playing this character. Uh, I think it's great. Now, I, I Pinocchio is still a little bit of a sore spot for me because one of my all-time favorite movies is the Italian Roberto Benigni masterpiece, Life is Beautiful. It is one of my all-time favorite films, and Roberto Benigni won Oscars for it. Roberto Benigni's follow-up film was a live-action Pinocchio that was terrible. <laughs> And so like, Pinocchio is a little bit of a sore spot for me because I want that to be to be great. But they're talking about, look, anything you put Tom Hanks in, you're going to get attention. You're going to get my attention. It's not it's, Tom Hanks isn't exactly a big box office draw anymore, Aaron. I don't know that he ever was a huge box office draw, but he's America's dad. That's how Anne refers to him. He's America's dad. Everybody loves Tom Hanks. And well, we should. And so I, I think this is great seeing him work with Zemeckis is great too. Aaron, you see this? Does it make you interested in a Pinocchio movie? You know, I actually thought that you were going to say Pinocchio was a sore spot because you used to be a little wooden boy. I used to be a little And that transition boy. was really challenging. <laughs> um, you know, <clears throat> I was thinking about this and I, I really cannot imagine anything, anyone except for Tom Hanks playing this role. <laughs> I'm going to take this in a little bit of a dark direction and I apologize, but I, I'm, I'm just going to go there just because it, it really, um, this is a, prime example of how important casting really is you know there's been so much talk um in the past you know just in the past few years with what has been revealed about the catholic church a lot that's been revealed about hollywood there's just been some real uh, just about child trafficking there's been some really awful things that have always been going on but have really come to light that i think is that people are much more aware of and a little bit more in tune to and so if you have someone like 
Joaquin Phoenix, for example, playing Geppetto, who wants to make a little wooden boy who turns into... That movie is really dark, you know? (laughs) That's a very different movie than if you have Tom Hanks playing it. And so... And and, and I only bring that up because even in, like, Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood, or uh, what was... uh, Won't You Be My Neighbor, I think No, not the documentary, but the... A Beautiful Day in the Neighborhood? Yes. It was one of those two. There were still even, like, those connotations about that which you know which were obviously unfounded but i think that um this is such a delicate delicate story that has to be told in just the right way and yes i do think that tom hanks is the perfect person to do it and you know i i I agree with i agree with you and Anne as far as tom hanks not necessarily being a big box office draw but i think that also has to do with the types of movies that he's been doing absolutely he's been choosing to do movies that i think reflect more of where he is in his life and he's not like i don't think tom hanks is trying to go for the big box office draw. I think he's trying to create projects that will have a lasting, um, that that will be able to last for many, many years so that his children and his grandchildren and his great-grandchildren and all of their peers can continue to enjoy in perpetuity, uh, which I, I, I really respect and admire. Um, and I think that one of the ra- main one of the reasons also why this film has probably been uh, 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 what, what, what was the term you used? Just gestating. Gestating. Thank you. Uh, not gesticulating. That's very <laughs> different. Uh, gestating for so long is because, uh, you know, not only with the technological aspect of it, but also the the precious kid gloves that you want for this kind of story. I applaud Zemeckis for taking his time with this. And this will be a movie that I'm very excited to see. You know, I think one of the funniest things I've seen online in a long time, there's a brilliant Onion article. And I remember I shared it. And like the response I got on my Facebook was crazy because the headline is, um, woman comes forward uh, about incident with Tom Hanks is the headline, <laughs> right. right? But then you Nobody read, reads. But Nobody reads article, that. But, but mm-hmm. it, was, it was The Onion. It was from The uh, Onion. Right. And then it goes into about how women's come forward about how she tripped and Tom Hanks came out of nowhere and helped her and bought her ice right. cream and then, and then bought her cat a new scratch toy about how wonderful he is, right? Of course. Like, I got hundreds of comments and it's like, Oh my God, you gave me heart. Like, because it's Tom Hanks. He's America's dad. Anyway, question here for you guys is this. What do you think about Tom Hanks playing Geppetto? It's kind of a perfect match. Jump down into the comments section below and let us know your thoughts. All right, guys. With that down, let's move into our fourth and final main topic today. And our fourth and final main topic today gets submitted to us by David Hoffman, who writes, Hello, John and company. According to Deadline, Captain Marvel has found its director, yes, they have, in Candyman, uh, in Candyman's Nia DaCosta. What do you think of this choice? Do you think she is a good fit? Thanks and keep bringing the filthy. All right. Thanks a lot for sending that in, David. And yeah, listen, one of the films that, you know, Kevin Feige has clearly indicated they're looking at, they, they're going to do, it's absolutely set in stone, but we haven't heard a lot of movement on, is... Captain Marvel 2. Now, you got to keep in mind, Captain Marvel 2 was inevitable. It was going to come. It's one of the bigger hits in the last couple of years. Made $1.1 something billion dollars at the box office, which was crazy. I quite enjoyed Captain Marvel. Not in my top half of favorite Marvel films, to be honest. 
but but still one that I really quite enjoyed. I liked it, just not not a top shelf Marvel film for me. But it has a lot of open doors of where they can go. I think Brie, you know Brie Larson's an Academy Award winning actress, all that kind of stuff. They've got the screenplay has been written, so the screenplay is done. The question has been who's going to direct it. Now you got to keep in mind that aside from say James Gunn or the Russos. Marvel likes to change the directors in the individual franchises. They switch directors in Iron Man. They switch directors in Captain America. They switch directors. Uh, what was the other one I was I was just thinking about? They switched directors with Thor. Like they went from Kenneth Braun in the first one. They switched that one too. So it's not a big surprise that they decided to switch up directors for Captain Marvel. In this case, they went with Nia DaCosta. Now, Nia DaCosta is interesting because I have, first of all, obviously, I haven't seen Candyman yet. I haven't seen Candyman yet. I did watch another feature she did. I think it was her first feature called Little Woods. Mm -hmm, her first. That she did with Lily James. Uh, Lily James. Um, and um, uh, Tessa Thor, Thompson. Thorger. Yes, Tessa Thompson and Tessa Thompson, which wasn't great, but I enjoyed it. Like, I liked it. And it was just, it showed what she could do with a small budget and just telling a story and a narrative story and working with higher caliber actors. Liked it. Obviously, Jordan Peele and others liked her so much, they gave her the Candyman reboot. And apparently the studio liked what she did with the Candyman reboot because now she's landed a Captain Marvel gig. So to me and for me, there's not a big enough sample size for me to sit here and say, oh my God, this is a great selection or hmm, I really don't see this one. I, I just don't have a big enough sample size. I thought Little Woods was a decent little film for what it was. I haven't seen Candyman yet. So come back and ask me again what I think about her being selected once I've seen Candyman. Clearly they were impressed. Clearly they like what they saw and they gave it to her. So I am, as far as how do I feel about Nia DaCosta getting this gig, I'm agnostic about it, right? Because again, I just don't have a big enough sample size, but I trust Kevin Feige. He seems to know how to fit the right directors that get his vision Unlike Kathleen Kennedy working with her directors in Star Wars, Kevin Feige seems to know how to pick the right directors who are in total sync with what his vision is and he understands what they want to bring to the table. So, hey, I give Kevin Feige the benefit of the doubt. Aaron, I don't know if you've had a chance to see Little Woods. I know you haven't seen Candyman yet, but what do you think about this selection of Nia DaCosta to do Captain Marvel 2? Ooh, I'm so excited. And here's why I'm excited. There has been, uh, there, there is a, um, a history of horror film directors making the transition to doing these superhero yeah, directors. Yeah. We have Sam Raimi with Spider-Man. We have, uh, you know, obviously Sam Raimi has a plethora of horror films. You know, we have uh, Scott Derrickson, James Wan. You know, there, there's a there's a whole list of these directors who have made the transition from horror to superhero, maybe back to horror, back and forth. And so I think that Nia DaCosta's experience in with Candyman, I mean, obviously the studio is seeing something that we are not. And so, uh, and, and I also have a great amount of respect for Jordan Peele. Um, I think not only is he an impeccable storyteller, but also he has a really good eye, not only for talent in front of the camera, but for having his finger on the pulse of who else is out there that yeah. maybe is not yet on the studio's radar. So I love the fact that Jordan Peele really went to bat for her. And, you know, and I, and I think that this is very telling of what they are seeing. Um, I have not had a chance to see Little Woods, but I, I'm it's on my list for this weekend of movies that I want to go back and check out. Um, but I think 
think that this is one of those scenarios where there's so many people who are in the know of what's going on with Candyman, um, her, you know, her, how she works as a director that are really rooting for her. Um, and like I said, given her background in storytelling in the world of horror, and as we've seen so many horror directors making that transition, what I'm looking forward to and Captain Marvel 2 from Nia DaCosta is seeing even more uh, uh, character development and even more of her of, of, of her story as a person, um, well, the person side of the human side of her uh, coming out. And, and I just think this is really exciting. I can't wait to see Candyman, even though I'm not huge on watching horror films. Uh, I, I'm really looking forward to seeing it because clearly she gave them something in Candyman that made them go, this is our person. This is our director. So uh, I'm really looking forward to it. And congratulations to her for being invited into the club. You know what? You brought up a great point that I haven't really considered. We are starting to see this emerging pattern of horror directors being able to make that transition and bring that sense. Because you look, know, and that makes perfect sense to me because now that I think about it, you know, we always talk about how movies are experiential events, right. right? You need to deliver that experience. If you're doing a comedy, make me laugh. You know, if you're doing like a dramatic thing, make me feel. If you're doing a horror, make me scared. And I think when you're dealing with like, like comedy, horror is one of those ones where the experiences have to be right on your sleeve, right? You, you deliver that experience on a very on the sleeve, right up at the surface level to bring that. And I think there's a lot of similarities with that with comic book films where you're trying to deliver a similar type of experience, just a little bit different from the horror one to that. And maybe that's and Derrickson, obviously making the transition from all the horror he's done into Dr. Strange, which I thought was a great transition. Mm -hmm. James Wan was a great example of that. The Sam Raimi one is a great example of that. I, I love that comparison. I Thank even you. thought about it. You know what? You just made me a little bit more excited about her directing this film. Wow, I wonderful. Even, again, I, it's, I've only seen one movie of hers, mm -hmm. not a big enough sample. Sure. But I love that comparison you just made. So and also think about like the action. You know, in, in yeah. every horror film, there's got to be, you have to be able to figure out action has to be woven in as if it's a symphony. You can't just yes. all of a sudden, you know, hit somebody over the head with it. It really ha it has in every action scene, it has that arc of how that's going to be created. And, um, and, and so those action scenes in horror, whether it's a chase scene or building up to an attack, those things also lend themselves to being able to do an action scene in a superhero film. I feel like it's kind of along a similar wavelength. So that kind of gives me a little more, but I'm, I'm really glad that I could, uh, that I could make you more excited about this film. Uh, and I, my, my, my day is complete. And you know, the last time I was, I was, I had a MCU director that I really didn't have enough personal of a sample size of them was Peyton Reed when he came on and did Ant-Man mm -hmm. and I ended up, loving it man like I, I again it's just kevin feige and and again when the russo brothers were brought in to do captain america civil war everybody's like wait the you mean dupree guys right but kevin kevin feige just knows when he's got a director or set of directors in front of him that understand and get on the same wavelength with yeah. him and understand his vision and he sees what uniqueness they can bring to it and matching that up and there haven't really been maybe Thor Dark World was a little bit of a drop of the ball there but other than that he's always synced up perfectly with his directors and maybe that could work in this film's 
favor a lot. Question is for you guys. What do you think about Nia being selected to direct the Captain Marvel sequel? Again, if you, maybe you're like me, you probably are like me, don't have a lot of a sample size, but what are your thoughts on this overall? Jump down to the comment section below and let me know your thoughts. All right, guys. With that down, let's now transition over into the live questions that you guys have been sending in. Once again, if you want to send a live question or comment, simply use the tip link in the top of the description of this video, streamelements.com slash movieblogtv slash tip. You're getting your comment or question on the show, and you'll be supporting the show at the same time. So without any further ado, let's dive right into it here. We're going to start things off here with Adam K. who writes... If Disney is experimenting with uh, putting giant blockbusters on Disney+, Plus, why wouldn't they test it out with Jungle Cruise instead? I told you that I've been getting inundated with questions. Why not this movie? Why not that movie? Why not this movie? How about that one? I told you I've been getting inundated with these. Why wouldn't they test it out with Jungle Cruise instead? Wouldn't that make more sense since it, since it wasn't expected to make as much money as Mulan? Well, I don't know that they've got a firm handle on how much money they can expect Jungle Cruise to make. You got two of the biggest stars in the world in there right now with Dwayne The Rock Johnson and Emily Blunt. It's not like Jungle Cruise is a bad ride at Disneyland. I, I mean, let's just call it what it is. As opposed to Mulan, which has a blue up thing. So I don't know. I think plus, you know, Mulan is on its third or fourth release date. Yeah. You know, they already announced the move of Jungle Book. They moved it significantly. So I think if they had to choose between the two, Mulan seems, I think to me, seems to be the more logical choice out of that, but I'm sure there's a million different criteria that they went through to, to arrive at that one. All right, Gary writes, wouldn't it be possible that by Mulan bypassing theaters altogether, they would be providing incentive for people to join Disney Plus down the road? I understand what that most people wouldn't join and pay $30 now, but maybe in three months we see a subscription bump. I mean, that's, that's the one thing, but you got to understand, Disney... This is what the part about this whole thing, Aaron, that I find a lot of film fans simply just don't grasp. The economic realities of what movies need, what studios need to make on particular movies. Mm -hmm. Mulan needs to make minimum to break even. I'm not talking after theatrical cuts. I'm talking minimum. They need to make $300 million. Mm -hmm. They're not going to get $300 million any other way. Oh, they, they need to yeah. charge $30 and even charging $30, they need 10 million households to rent it. Mm -hmm. That represents one out of every six people that had, they're counting on one out of every six people who have Disney Plus will drop the extra 30 bucks to get it. All the other stuff is gravy that comes after that. Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, we put up a poll yesterday asking people, hey, if you weren't a subscriber to Disney Plus, would you sign up for Disney Plus to watch Mulan and pay the extra $30? We had like 5,000 respondents. 87% of the people said no. Mm -hmm. So I think they know they can't rely on we're going to make our money by all these people signing up for this. I, I don't think it's not the same situation as Hamilton. You know, Hamilton created like a 15 million subscriber bump. But it was a world phenomena. Hamilton is a worldwide phenomena and has been for years. And people didn't have to pay extra to watch it on Disney+. Plus. It's also really difficult to get Hamilton tickets. Oh, or, you know, so. Impossible. It's, yeah. Anne and I have, have, have are, Anne seen it twice. And mm -hmm. she's tried very hard over the years to get tickets. And she's managed to get tickets twice. So 
Tom for my for our for my birthday um, years ago. We were on our honeymoon. We were in Italy, and Tom and my birthday was literally like two days after we got back from Italy. And Tom said, "What do you want for your birthday?" And I said, "Hamilton tickets." make it happen and he was like uh, but thankfully his buddy that he went to grad school with is the assistant director of Hamilton and couldn't make it to our wedding because he was doing Hamilton and he had texted Tom I'm so sorry I can't make it to your wedding can I make it up to you and he texted me he goes dude I need Hamilton tickets for like <laughs> next week and so we had, we still had to pay for them but we were able to pay the proper like ticketing price and we went to see it on my birthday and it was the best That's birthday awesome. ever i, I yeah. loved Hamilton. it's, it's probably it's great top, one of my top three favorite stage shows ever les mis is still my favorite les, les mis is still my favorite the album. russell crowe version of course <laughs> well no, no the stage i'm kidding stage. i'm kidding i'm but kidding i like the I'm russell crowe i know Hugh you know what Jackman. i just had i just had to you know hit the low the you low hanging for fruit. That one. i know i thought he did a wonderful job all right let's see uh conjampia writes instead of 30 dollars, what if disney made an event out of it where on september 4th Fifth and sixth, Mulan streams exclusively on Disney Plus, just like the Oscars do on ABC. That way, they get uh, more people incentivized to sign up for the service because of no thirty dollars surcharge. Again, then Disney loses their pants. Mm -hmm. You can do it that way, but Disney's going to lose their <clears throat> pants for six dollars a month. Yeah. yeah, and on top of all that, remember the theaters will not play Mulan because if you're saying I'll just put it for exclusively on streaming for three days, then put it in theaters, theaters won't play the movie then. Because they, they insist on the theatrical window. You know, uh, Cineworld, Regal, Cin Cinemark have all come out and reaffirmed theatrical window. 90 days. If you put it out on streaming first, we're not going to play it in our theater. So that became something. So they needed to make that money. They need to get that upfront money. They need $300 million minimum to break even. And then they need to get about $800 million to get that, back that money that they're leaving on the table because they're not going theatrical. Mm. But where are they going to play it theatrically? So it's all gravy at this point right now. So Does you Disney get Plus, um, you know, I, I haven't watched enough of Disney Plus to know. Do they do advertising like in like while you're watching something like at the beginning or at the end? Do they advertise? You know how Netflix doesn't. We're always super annoyed because here's the thing: if if they are advertising, they'll advertise outside of Disney Plus. Oh, okay. They put a lot of money into. Them. I see lots of commercials for Disney Plus all over the place. Got it. So I mean, I mean, I think that if they're focusing on not trying to get new subscribers but just really trying to target their audience that has already subscribed that's where i would put my marketing money if i were in charge is i wouldn't try to recruit new people new people we can focus our efforts sometime else i would focus on the people that are already the people that are already invested and already are like in the disney family Focus on them, get them to do it. They're the ones that are going to know the Disney brand. They're going to want the Disney brand and they're going to buy the Disney brand. All right. Next up, we've got uh, Cami Egan who writes, hey, John and Rob. Well, Rob's not here today. I'm sure I'll you've heard the Russo brothers are interested in doing Secret Wars in the MCU. I think the new phase is going to set the stage for this. What are your thoughts on the Russos possibly coming back for this? And is it a good idea? I don't know. Listen, I love every single movie the Russo brothers did in the MCU. Whether it's Civil War, Infinity War, uh, obviously Endgame. I, I mean, I just love what they have done, uh, Winter Soldier. I just love what they have done in the MCU. That said, I am still to this day unimpressed with anything they've done outside of the MCU. I'm obviously not a You, Me, and Dupree fan. Um, I, I, I know a bunch of people do, but I was really disappointed in that Netflix 
uh, Chris Hemsworth action film. I thought it was quite poor. It was great action, but I thought the movie was quite poor. 21 Bridges, I thought was terrible. Um, now, they've got another one here coming out soon that they're in charge of. So we'll see how that goes. So I, I don't know. Like at this point, I really want to see the Russo brothers, you know, at, coming out of, I want to see a big, awesome movie coming out of their production company. Because until I do, I'm always left wondering how much of that was the Russos and how much of that was Kevin Feige. Mm-hmm. Um, and how much of that was the Russos got to come in and build on the all the, the success that other directors had done in the MCU to set it all up for them. I'm not saying it wasn't the Russo brothers. I'm not. I, I love the Russo brothers. I'm just saying... Until I see the Russos do something as the as the main executive producers with their production company, whether they're writing, directing, producing, whatever, I want to see a really great, high-quality movie coming out of them prior to them coming back to the MCU. Because again, I, I'm just I, I'm left to wonder, even though I I think I know there's always gonna be that little bit of my brain that wonders, what was that the Russos or was that Kevin Feige? Would would Infinity War have been as good or better if Kevin Feige had had another director? I mean, I, I just don't know. I'm not saying that's the case. Don't misquote me. I'm just saying I'm still wondering a little bit. So I don't know. I really don't. If Kevin Feige wanted them back, then great. Fantastic. But I'm always going to have that. I really, 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 because I like the Russo brothers so much. I really want to see something come out of their studio that I really enjoy. And so far, I, I, I just... Their post MCU world, they're 0 for 2 with me. They're post MCU. Let's see what, what happens with their, their upcoming films. All right, next up, uh, James L.H. writes I brought up about the importance of cinema due to this Mulan situation. I won't be paying $30. As a single person, it does not make financial sense. In Deadline, the head of the UK cinema says that this deal is a step backwards, hugely disappointed, and mistimed. Well, listen, again, I've said this before, uh, Aaron, and uh, I brought it up yesterday too. The reality is this. What we thought five months ago (laughs) don't apply anymore. Mm -mm. The idea of Mulan or any big film going to VOD, three months ago, I would have said is an impossibility. But as we get further and further into this pandemic, because I also thought the movie theaters were going to be open and everything would be We all did. July. I We were, yeah. That July, yeah. That, with plenty of time, July. We'll, we'll be, come on, we don't have incompetent leaders. We'll be no. fine. Sorry, I don't want to get into it. But like, we'll be fine. July, we'll be fine. But that changed. And as every day passes, the rules change. Mm-hmm. And right now, studios like Disney are in a place where they're like, there is no playbook here. There's no precedent. It's like, well, how did the companies get through it from that pandemic 10 years ago? <laughs> there is no rule, but there's no precedent. They're all trying to figure it out right. as they go along. Now, some, like Universal, are acting really backhanded in trying to take advantage of this situation. Uh, whereas other studios like Warner Brothers, Disney, and Paramount, they're just trying to figure out how do we make this work for all of us. Mm-hmm. And they've got a movie like Mulan that's sitting on the shelf. How long are they supposed to leave it sitting there? Maybe they experiment with something. They kept the theaters in the loop. They they called the, the theaters weeks ago to let them know that they were looking at doing this. So this didn't blindside anybody. I mean, it, it really... 
yeah, I mean, Aaron, you pointed out earlier, it makes no financial sense for you and Tom to sit at home and pay 30 bucks to watch Mulan on Disney Plus, especially since it's just going to come on Disney Plus for free in a couple more months. Right. Um, but we you can know, wait. You said the, the family of five, you know, the family of six, maybe. Oh, yeah. If we sex. had two kids and they were bouncing off the walls and we were like, oh, my God, if I have to watch snow white one more time my ears are gonna bleed then yeah i would i would i would pay 60 bucks to get anything else in the rotation but you know i i completely understand you know this writer says hey i'm a single person it doesn't make any financial sense for me it doesn't it doesn't you are absolutely right and you should not pay 30 bucks to see it if it doesn't make fine in fact right now we are all having to weigh individually does this make financial sense to me yeah and so uh you know i i completely respect someone saying you know what this is just not a priority for me right now we all have to figure out where our money is going to be allocated and so for some families it makes a lot of sense because they would have spent that much and more to take their kids to the theater to see it but this time they don't have to get up in the middle of the movie and take the kid to the bathroom they can just pause it um you know but yeah for 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 tom and i we will probably just wait until it comes out on um for free and that's okay but uh you know that's a decision that everybody's gonna be making on their own and i also appreciate the fact that you know, Disney is striking while the iron is hot. And they're saying people want content right now. People are are, are ingesting content. And very quickly, uh, we're going to run out of content, of new things. So let's give them something that they want. Keep the excitement while we've all... And, and also not lose all of the marketing money that we've already spent in 2020 promoting Mulan. Yeah. You know, if you wait to just see what happens, well... All that money is gone then, you know, at least this time right now they can say, you know what, we're just building on the momentum that we've already created this year. The other problem they face is this, is that there are people who are diehard Disney fans like me that are really seriously considering canceling Disney Plus because I have now been a Disney Plus member for nearly 10 months mm -hmm. and they've given me two pieces of content that I've been interested in. They oh. gave me Mandalorian mm -hmm. and then they put Hamilton out. Really? That's what I've been paying my monthly subscription service for, for, for getting close to a year now for two pieces of content. And don't talk to me about the pandemic because they had nothing ready to go after Mandalorian yeah, right. finished. They had nothing ready to go after Mandalorian finished. And I think they're feeling the crunch about, <laughs> uh, hey guys, don't you want to come and watch this other super low budget kind of reality competition show we just put up? <laughs> like, don't you think like, no, we need fresh real content and i think a part of this with this mulan move might be to appease the disney plus subscribers saying you haven't given us anything right you haven't given us anything give us something and so there might be a part of that as well so we and you know then it comes up the debate about you know the and this is where there's point and counterpoint it's like oh okay i can pay 30 bucks to do exactly what i do every day sit on my couch and watch my tv or I could pay 15 bucks and go to a movie theater, have a night out with a friend, have some popcorn drinks, be in a big crowd and watch this and have, have an event out of it. But the counterpoint is, where are you going to do that? There ain't no movie theaters open right now. Right. So it's it's a pickle. It is a pickle. Everybody's just trying to figure out which and way. And again, if you are going to the theaters, you and Anne and a couple of friends and it's a night out and it's an event and it's fun, that's great. 
but I think that it's a very different experience. I'm going to go ahead and bring it back. I'm just speaking for all the moms out there. But see, I have <laughs> friends with kids who have who've been saying to me, I, I'm desperately looking for things to get my kids, take my kids out of the house to go and do with my kids. Really? Is it, but is sitting in a movie theater a fun thing? Because I remember seeing Tangled with my niece and she was sitting on my lap the whole time. And halfway through the movie, she started getting like really like, uh, 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 you know, know doing that thing. I love taking their kids to the movies. They and love going to she the was like, them. I'm bored. I want to go. And I was invested. And I was like, you are going to sit your ass right here on my lap. We were going to, oh! <laughs> whoops. Oh, there goes the camera. Well, they clearly need to get new kids. Sorry, I got, well, yeah, they do need to get new kids. They need to get a new kid. Their kids. They've got to do <clears throat> Well, I mean, they suck as humans. So why shouldn't their children suck too? Oh. Yeah, I said it. And mom, my mom is watching. You know exactly whose kids I'm talking about. <laughs> Sorry, guys. We That's had technical okay. issues before the show started, so we had to change. We had to pull out a webcam to put on. If I'm not overheating the camera and it's shutting off, I'm flailing my arms and things right. are falling off. We need. We're, we are way behind. We need to keep, yes. keep rolling here. Uh, Fat Yoshi writes, hey, John, I have an idea for the theater industry. Mobile movie theaters. They set up like a carnival, maybe in some parking lot, and they have a giant screen, boom, portable drive-in theater. There's nothing portable about that. <laughs> and by the way, no, you know, uh, I just went to a drive-in experience recently at the Rose Bowl. They turned the Rose Bowl into a drive-in. They brought in a big LCD screen. They did all that kind of stuff, but it took time and energy and effort to set that up and it's not as quick and easy as that but there are movie theaters there are drive-ins out there and i've gone to two drive-in theater experiences in the last month had a great time at both go guys if you have a movie theater anywhere near you go they're always packed so get your tickets early but they're they're a fun thing to do uh brian writes rentals at 20 to 30 dollars is a deal for a family or group of friends but not everybody watches with a group especially during a pandemic ask a single person or even a couple to pay three to four times the price of a movie ticket to watch is ridiculous and again on top of that it's you're what are you getting for it you're getting a night to do what you were going to do anyway sitting on your own couch in your own living room watching your TV. So again, it becomes financially makes more sense the more people involved. Like when I watch a UFC, I have like 10 people over. So it makes more sense financially. Otherwise, it doesn't. It's something that every individual has got to then weigh in and how much do they value that. Stubble McShave writes, how big do you think the foreign box office will be for Mulan at theaters? If it makes $300 million in foreign box office, how much will it have to make on PVOD? Oh my God, it ain't going to make $300 million in foreign box office. Remember, the only places Mulan can open in theaters is in countries that Disney Plus does not serve. That's not a lot. There are still countries that there's still countries that don't have, you know, Disney Plus. But a lot of the bigger major markets do have Disney Plus now. A lot of the bigger markets do have it. And so uh, don't expect to see Mulan making that much money at the international box office. It's it's not going to be significant. On top of that, the fact that we've got a pandemic and all that kind of stuff. So don't expect it to be much. Uh, that Mulan makes at the box office in those territories. Joe D writes, to your point regarding Disney Plus and Mulan, why would I pay an additional $30 <laughs> to rent a movie on a paid streaming service that is lacking new great original content? I was just talking about that. I pre-ordered for three years and have not gotten much of a return on that investment yet. Joe, you are speaking to a frustration that I think a lot of. Aaron of <laughs> Disney Plus subscribers have had, especially the ones who signed up for a year in advance or the three-year package. Who like, okay, I in good faith signed up. Where's this content? You know, like, and again, don't don't <clears throat> bring up the pandemic. 
Because even without the pandemic, they were going six months in between launching significant pieces of content. Yeah. Mandalorian and then wait, wait, wait as month after month after month pass. And and you're right. Now they come out and say, OK, hey, we got we're going to do this big thing for our Disney Plus subscribers. Oh, but we're going to want you to pay an extra thirty dollars on top of it. It's, it's making some people grumble. Look, I get the economic reality of it, too. I understand why they need to do that. If right. you're going to put it on VOD, if you don't want to lose your pants, you got to charge a premium price for it. I get it. I understand that. But they have to understand it's going to make some people grumble because they're like, hey, I, I've been paying for this service every month. And now you're telling me to get the good stuff. I got to pay more, significantly more. But you know what? And here's the thing. Yes. Grumble, grumble. I get it. This is going to be a really great experiment to see what happens, because what if they what if it works? What if it works? If it works we're screwed because this is going to be happening a lot more. So, and if it doesn't work, they're screwed. So it's really not a win-win situation. Um, you know, I, I, I don't know. I, I agree with you financially. They have to do this. Otherwise they're just going to lose their shirt um, with the loss of uh, revenue from Mulan. But you know, yeah, I, I, I get it. Grumble, grumble. If it works for you financially, do it. If it doesn't, then don't. And now, we will see what happens in the end. Bob Chapek, the new CEO of Disney, have said, he insisted, he said right off the bat, this is a one-time thing. Oh, this, okay. This is a one-time thing. This is not an experiment, he said, to, to test out a new model. This is this Mulan thing is a one-time special thing. Okay. Sure. Fine. Fine. You say that, Bob Chapek. You say that. Until you make $300 million. But no, no. $300 million won't cut it. 300 million won't cut because that just breaks even. Okay. Right? Right. That's still leaving like 500, six, seven, eight hundred million dollars on the table that they could have got theatrical. But let's say, and this is what Rob and I were talking about yesterday, they need to get one out of every six Disney Plus subscribers to buy Mulan in order to break even. But, and I think that's going to be challenging. They can do it, but it's gonna, there's going to be some challenges for that. What if they get 25 million people? What if they get almost one out of every two Disney Plus subscribers buy this thing? And they make six, seven, eight hundred million dollars. I don't believe that's going to happen. I don't believe there's a chance in hell that that happens. But we are in an era where no chance in hell things happen almost every day. What if that does happen? That's great that Bob Chapek says, oh, this is a one-time only thing. Okay, that's cool. Mulan makes $800 million on this model. He's going to be changing his tune. Again, I don't think that's going to happen. But if it does, changes everything. And other streaming platforms, even if Bob keeps his word and says, no, 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 I said it, we're going to keep it. Well, that doesn't stop any other streaming platform from going, oh, my gosh, look at what they just made. We're going to charge a premium for this thing that we have coming out. Yeah. So now there have been some experiments with not so great results. Like they moved King of Staten Island to it. Did not do well. And Universal oh, right. kept trying to that. spin that scoop was some big success. It really was not. It did better than I than it could have. But it wasn't some big some big success. There have been some struggles. But if Mulan can come out. Again, I don't think it will, but if it does come out and set some kind of ridiculous precedent, whoo, we are in for a roller coaster ride. All right. Uh, next up, uh, Matt Rotini writes, it will be smarter for, for my 
it be smarter to my oh lord for the release it on vod everywhere for 30 dollars and on disney plus for it for $20. It would have felt more like a value proposition for Disney Plus if they would have did it that way. This way seems like it will piss a lot of people off. Well, here's the problem, Matt, and I see what you're saying. So, hey, why not release it on all VOD platforms for $30, but on Disney Plus, you get $10 off oh. and 20 Okay, that's fine, but here's the problem. Bob Chapek, the CEO of Disney, also made it clear that one of the reasons they're doing this is to incentivize people to sign up for Disney+. Plus. I don't think that's going to go so well for them, but that is one of their things. In order for to do that, to have any hope of that working, it's got to be exclusive. Mm-hmm. It's got to be exclusively on Disney+. Plus. It's like, oh, I can get it for just 10 bucks more on the Google Play Store and I don't have to commit to Disney Plus, I don't have to sign up for Disney Plus, great. Yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll pay the extra 10 bucks, right? So if you're, remember we talked about this before, the long-term lifeblood of all these streaming services, Disney Plus, HBO Max, Hulu, uh, Peacock, whatever, the ultimate lifeblood and what's going to gauge their success is their exclusive content. Mm-hmm. What you can get here and nowhere else. That's what makes their services work. That's what's going to make them work long term. So if Disney's going to do this, they got to make it exclusive. This is a Disney Plus thing. If you want to watch Mulan, you got to come to Disney Plus. And I I get what you're saying. If there were some way they could have uh, incorporated a discount for Disney Plus subscribers, that would have been great. But you got to make it exclusive to Disney Plus. Tristan Riera, our Patreon supporter, writes... A big thank you for all the people who suggested videos and uh, and documentary material about the creation of Superman. I have everything I need for my lessons. You all rock, you handsome people. So for those of you who don't know, Tristan had asked a few days ago about trying to find some good video uh, documentary material on the creation of Superman. And he was having a hard time to show to his class. And you guys came out in droves. You left stuff here in the live chat you went into the uh the comments section and left links to p- things and clearly that helped out tristan it's great with the whole film playing community can get together and support one another all right next up tristan also writes john about my question about method actors i was actually trying to lure you into making materials for a lesson on method acting for my class <laughs> i found your explanation on character actors great and wanted a similar one but don't sweat it i'll manage well, you know what? I thought the explanation uh, I gave on method acting was pretty good anyway. And if you had it in a nutshell, Aaron, being an, an actress, if you had to describe to somebody, say to somebody, what's your elevator pitch to somebody to say, this is what method acting is, what, what would you describe that? Um, I would say that method, I, I would describe method acting as immersive acting for the performer, where I, as the performer, um, put myself in a mental and physical state as if I am actually experiencing um, the 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 things that the character is going through, not just on camera, but also off camera. For example, when uh, Daniel Day-Lewis speaks in an act, in whatever dialect he's supposed to use for the film, when he uses it for his entire uh, life outside of the film as well while he is filming. Or when um, uh, Donnie Wahlberg, for example, actually, I believe, lived at... Uh, 
it, it, without a home, lived as a homeless person in preparation for his role in the sixth sense uh, to really physically immerse yourself or change aspects of your personal life that are not on camera in order to better understand and uh, inhabit the character you're playing. All right. That was a better description than I gave. All right. Next up, <clears throat> Jedi Koth writes. Happy about the Mulan release, but just sad for not being able to see it on the big screen or even IMAX. I was lucky enough to go to the premiere in March. I didn't even know it had a premiere in March. And huh? this film deserves the big screen. So epic and beautiful. I will miss cheering with an audience. And you know, that goes back, Jedi Koth, again, to this, one of the reasons why I always talk about theatrical experience. I'm sorry, your home theater sucks. <laughs> it just does. My home, that's okay. My home theater sucks too. Compared to a movie theater, being in a theater the way, like as Christopher Nolan describes it, the way Quentin Tarantino describes it, seeing a movie the way it was meant to be seen, what the, the directors have in mind with making it, being in that room with a hundred other people, 300 other people, and you know, seeing these big massive images and experiencing all these things with an audience. Like, you know, we, we, we take it to the portals example in Endgame all the time. Like, how shitty would that have been to have watched that for the first time at home on your crappy TV? Hmm. Like, how, how crappy would that have been? But instead being with an audience of everybody looking at each other and cheering and high-fiving and losing their minds. I mean, that's just part of it. And it is too bad. But hey, you know, again, it's unique times right now. I'm not there's not a right or a wrong right now. Everybody's just trying to figure it out. So I, I see where you're coming from on that. All right, Alan writes, hey, John, Rob, slash Aaron, if theaters were to open up before the end of the year, if not sooner, could Disney release Mulan in those theaters, even if it's currently on Disney Plus? Also, is Aaron on the winning team, hashtag Godzilla, and does she know about the Campia cut? Um, <laughs> I don't know. King Kong versus Godzilla, which I, I, I'm a Kong guy, Rob's Godzilla. Because uh, we got obviously Godzilla versus Kong coming. Which side are you on? Oh, I'm King Kong all the way. Good girl. You all know right, why? Kong. Because Kong loves Fei Ray. That's right. Kong got. He's a lover and a fighter. He got taste. Um, what what was the question again? Oh, yeah, could <laughs> if the theaters open? No, uh, uh, they couldn't because the movie theaters would not. At least the the major movie theaters would not play it. Um, once it goes on streaming in VOD. The theaters of NATO have a policy that we then don't play those on our theaters uh, because it really is not in their best interest to do so. So there's nothing stopping Disney from saying finding the smaller and, and some independent fi films to still put it out on screens. But like Regal won't do it. Cineworld won't do it. Um, and that's that's kind of understandable. That's understandable. And I don't think she knows about the Campia cut. Uh, we're talking about my my uh, fan film that I made many years ago that won some awards, even though it's one of the worst films ever made. What? Uh, yeah, it's called Rise of the Trades. It's my Star Wars fan film. Rise of the what? Rise of the Trades. Uh, it's a Star Wars fan film that crosses Godfather and Star Wars Episode One: The Phantom Menace. And uh, and this is available on Disney Plus. Uh, no, no, it is available nowhere because I won't let anybody watch it anymore, except for me and Tom. Mm. No. You see, I hadn't seen it in 10 years. And my buddy Rodney, and I remember we, we packed out movie, we sold out movie theaters for it. We won awards. We, went to, we brought to Star Wars Celebration. We had it screened at then Star Wars Celebration. The back so I hadn't seen it in like 10 years. My buddy Rodney got a hold of me and said, Hey, dude, I came across one of the, we even sold DVDs. I've got one of the, I found a copy of Rise of the Trees. I'm like, Oh my God, can you send it to me? Anne's never watched it. So I'm 
bragging to Anne, oh baby, you know, it's 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 gonna be, you know, it's gonna be fancy underwear night tonight when you see the movie <laughs> your husband made. You know, it's gonna be it's gonna fancy be, underwear <laughs> night. Anyway. Oh my god. <laughs> great. It's you know, oh my gosh, it's gonna be it's oh when you see the movie I made, I'm so oh it's so awesome. We won a award, blah, blah blah. So Anne's like, okay, great, can't wait to watch it. So it shows up, ordered in dinner, we sat down, and I put on my fan film. It's so bad. John. It's, no, no, no. This isn't just like, oh, you know, yeah, the, the artist is always hard. No, 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 no. No, dead serious. It's terrible. Did Anne say this is terrible? She did not disagree with me. <laughs> it's pretty bad. Oh, my God. So what's funny is like the next night, Koori was supposed to come over uh -huh. and watch too. I had to cancel that. So Koori's <laughs> never seen it either. Koori's never seen it. Uh, nobody in LA has seen it other than... All right, and nobody will ever see it. It's so Well, bad. clearly there are DVDs available. And for anyone out there watching, if you have a DVD and you can provide it to me, there is a bounty available. It's and this also goes for John's so breakdancing videos, which are from his Canada days. And I know that he had a breakdancing troupe. They're, so one of the members buried, of that... They're buried in at the campy ranch those tapes are buried the, in the campy ranch. your fellow breakdancers so that they can no, never they have you gotta remember when i was <laughs> professionally breakdancing yes i professionally breakdanced when i was when i was breakdancing we did not live in a world where we all walked around with these uh no the, you had the device. big handy the cams big, that yeah, were like i don't know that with any, the belt pack i don't know that any other videos of those exist except we had to put the, the full vhs tape, tape in it and close it in oh yeah batteries last lieutenant colonel david minutes. g cummings had one of those oh of course. oh he had that on his shoulder all the time like a boombox. yep nope no, so those don't exist. I think I've, I've got one of the only tapes in existence of that. Never going to see the light of day. Anyway, we need to keep moving here. Willow writes, if someone, did we skip? No, no. Okay, so Willow writes, uh, if someone right now had time traveled back to 2019 and told NATO about what's going to happen, NATO's the uh, National Association of Theater Owners, what's going to happen? Is there anything the theaters could have done? You know, we talked about that before. I, I can't think of like even if you gave them a year advance notice nothing they could have done there's nothing they could have done I mean other than but it's cost prohibitive the movie theaters wouldn't have had the money let's glass let's put plexiglass encasements around every two seats so every two seats is actually a private air ventilated private sealed booth for you and your kid or you and your partner or you and your buddy can go and watch, but you are actually physically separated with your, but that would have cost tens of billions of dollars. It mm -hmm. wouldn't have even been cost effective. I honestly, all they could have done is start saving your money because you're going to need it to last. Can you think of anything? If you could go back in time one year and warn all the theaters, this pandemic is coming. It's going to shut y'all down. Is there any recommendations you could give to them that you can think of to that they could have done to prepare for it? Um, I mean, the only thing, I mean, other than just proactively starting to, uh, you know, encourage, you know, have hand sanitizing things, because let's also remember at the beginning of the pandemic, we did not know that this was airborne. We, it was all about hand washing. 
Everybody right. said, you don't need to wear a mask unless you're sick because we didn't know that it was airborne. It was all like about touching surfaces. So that would have maybe bought them a few. I, I don't know. Honestly, I, I don't know. I don't think so. I'll have to think on that one a bit, but I, I can't imagine any scenario that would not have bankrupted them just in the implementation process. Yeah, that's the thing. It's like you could, we could probably think of some things, but things that would have been worse than the pandemic itself that would have bankrupted them. I mean, yeah, that's that's the problem. All right, we move on here. Uh, let's see. Are we up to Nate? Yes, we are. Uh, I finished Umbrella Academy season two. Isn't it great? You know what? I think I'm going to do a spoiler discussion on Umbrella Academy season two. I think maybe on Sunday we're going to do a spoiler discussion for Umbrella. For those few of you who have watched it anyway, I finished Umbrella <laughs> Academy season two this last week and I love it more than the first season. But I love the music they selected throughout the season. The music worked just great with every scene in the show. Some modern but great classics as well. I got to say that's the only time I felt like it pulled me out of it a little bit. Because they're in 1963, and sometimes they played, like, modern music. Mm, I hate um, that. And it, that, I got to admit, it pulled me out. You're right. The songs they selected worked for the scenes. It, it did, but it still pulled me out a little bit. Aaron, I don't think you've watched Umbrella Academy season one, have you? You, you know what? I haven't watched part. Umbrella Academy anything, except Tom had it on in the kitchen the other day, and I didn't know initially what it was, and then I saw a bunch of people standing around in umbrellas and I just kind of assumed that it was the umbrella Academy and I wasn't, I wasn't turned off. I wouldn't say that I was turned on, but I wasn't turned off and I was like, huh, okay, I'm curious about this. Like it wasn't something that was so on my radar that I was like, I have to watch this. But after seeing it like kind of playing in the background, I was intrigued. So now I'm intrigued enough to, of course, once I finish Battlestar Galactica, because that is all that I am watching right now um, on the surprisingly wonderful Peacock. Go what? Go them. Um, I, I, I'm, I'm curious about checking it out. So that'll be my next binging it. show. It's, it's, it's actually really wonderful. Great. And I like season two even more. Season two just dropped. I liked it even more. So do check it out when you get a chance. All right. Next one up. We've got uh, Jim K who writes, Hey, John, do you think that if the theaters are open, let's say 70 to 80%, and of them at 30 to 50% capacity, will it affect Mulan's numbers since people who are annoyed about having to pay for it already will be more annoyed that it couldn't be seen in theaters? Thanks. Well, I, I, I don't know. See, here's the thing. We thought heading into July when we still thought that there was going to be a chance that the movie theaters could be open in July. We all thought that, you know what? Even if the movie theaters are at 50% capacity, there's not going to be any other movies. Right? It's basically going to average itself. So even if it's at 50%, even if theaters are being held at 50% capacity, if you want to go see Mulan, there are going to be tickets available because it's not like there are 25 other films out there right now that are taking up the theater screens. So you could have done just fine. Today, though, it's a little bit different. I, I just don't know that, first of all, I don't think in North America we're going to have 70 to 80% of the screens open. I think we're going to have screens open, but I don't think I, I don't agree with NATO's again, the National Association of Theater Owners. I don't agree with NATO's optimistic assessment that we're going to have like 80 percent of the theaters open come the end of August. I just don't agree with that. May, hopefully they're right. And if they are, then maybe Mulan could have made some bank. But I think right now, I think that's overly optimistic. So uh, we'll have to wait and see. I, I do lament that I'm not going to be able to see it on the big screen. I, I lament that a lot, but yeah, you know, it is what it is. Hey guys, pandemic, first world problem. 
first world problem. Oh, no, I have to watch the movie on my TV instead of the movie screen. Uh, there are bigger problems in the world. Well, then there also will be the, you know, and now see Mulan like you've never seen it before on the big screen as it was intended. Like there will be those like, as you were mentioning in maybe uh, independent theaters or as a special uh, release or something. Not it won't be like, oh, we're going to have Mulan as a national release as it would be if it was released in theaters you know, traditionally, but I think that there will be special, uh, you know, one weekend only or one night only, uh, you know, promotional event kind of things where, um, you know, like, like how they had the 25th anniversary of whatever that is in a theater um, so that people get a chance to see a movie on the big screen that they otherwise wouldn't have seen that way. All right. Next up, we've got uh, Thanos was right. Writes in response to the request for you to do another movie commentary video. You said you would need it to be a big film. I have the perfect film. Cats. Yeah. Yes. Don't think I'm going to be doing that one. Oh, Tom however, Hooper. Chris Carr and I will. Oh yeah, you you and Chris Carr could do one. But Chris I, Carr and I will do an entire segment, and uh, I would say about seventy five percent of that will be like, and there's a butthole, and, and there's, there's a butthole, a butt, and there's a butthole. Buttholes. Uh, let's see here. Jim K also writes, uh, Hey John, I know you're a doom patrol fan very much like me. So wanted to know your thoughts on season two. I haven't finished it yet. I haven't finished season two yet. I got the, I still have to watch the finale. Uh, I love it. It's even more crazy than the first. And that was wild. I think the MVP of the show is, uh, Diane Guerrero as Jane, uh, thought your thoughts on the MVP character. Well, honestly, I thought MVP of season one of Doom Patrol, which again is a show that I had no interest in, no interest in, and I love it. Um, she was clearly the MVP of season one. I actually think the MVP of season two was Brendan Fraser. I think Brendan Fraser was the MVP of season two, um, and. And, and although Diane was still great, and the Jane character is fantastic in season two, they all are. Larry might actually be becoming my favorite character in the show. That aside, uh, I thought she was clearly the MVP of season one. I actually think Brendan Fraser was the MVP of season two. All right, Ben Rayner writes, and this will be the last question because we're at eleven thirty. We gotta let uh, we gotta let uh, Aaron go here. Um, hey, John. Yesterday, I watched Predators, and I loved it. I liked Predators, as a matter of fact. Uh, I, I don't like it more than the original Predator, though. I have a hot take. I think I liked it more than Predator. It has a great cast from Adrian Brody to a very young Mahershala Ali, Topher Grace as well, and Walter, I think you mean Walton, uh, Walton Goggins. Great, fun movie, 8.5 out of 10. You know what? That, that movie came out, and I, I thought it was very odd that Academy Award winner Adrian Brody was going to be in it, but I, I, I enjoy that movie. That's the one where the Predators actually kidnapped the human beings and took them to an alien game reserve on another planet so they can hunt them there. I actually like that movie. I don't think it's as good as the original Predator, but I, I'm I'm down with that one. Have you ever seen Predators, that one with Adrian Brody? I don't like the the I don't I I usually <laughs> like dreadlocks, but I don't like his dreads. You don't like those dreads? I don't like his dreads. They're just like like and and I I don't like his face. I just don't I, like the way he looks. It I, was he, weird. He's, he he's he's just it's just mm, doesn't sit well. Yeah, <laughs> I I like, remember because I like the way that Alien looks. Right. So it's not the fact that he looks scary. It's just that he's 
like like the alien is scary, but I like how he looks. The predator is scary, but I just don't like how he looks. I, I've always liked the look of the predator. I've always uh, liked it. But uh, the funny thing was with Adrian Brody because you know, he, like he'll always be to me the guy from The Pianist, right? Make like winning that Academy Award, one of the greatest on stage Oscar moments of all time as Halle Berry presented him the award and he grabs her and kisses and her and sexually assaults her right on stage in front of America. Yeah, you know My that, favorite performance of his was in Summer of Sam. Oh yeah, he was great. That's where that. I first saw him and I was like, this guy is amazing. He's really good. And really good. I, and, and I just thought, but that guy put him into an action film like this and he I actually worked really well. I really liked it. Anyway, Aaron, Thanks for being here. It's good to have you back. And good to have Joey back. She's asleep. I tried to get her to come over to say her goodbye, and she just gave me the side eye like, bitch, I need to poop. <laughs> okay, so, so, uh, so, yeah, she's got Joey and I are both going to take a potty break. And uh, and, and also, today, August 6th, is, the, is one month away from my four-year anniversary of being diagnosed with breast cancer, which was on September 6, 2016. And so, for the next month, I'm going to be raising money for an organization that Tom and I boasted on the board of. It's Cancer Free Generation, which is part of Tower Cancer Research Foundation. So follow me at Aaron L. Cummings on Twitter and Instagram. And uh, later today, I'll be making an announcement of how you can help me fight cancer for everyone. What, where, what's that website of that organization you were talking about? Do you know the, the Oh, the it's web uh, uh, the, the website. Oh, uh, Tower Cancer Research Foundation. Tower? Tower T O um or sorry, Cancer Free Generation. Do Cancer Free Generation because cancer that's Cancer Free Generation. Gen generation. Yeah. Let me see if I can find that. Because uh, Cancer Free Generation is like the young professionals arm of Tower, and uh, every and and we yes, raise there we go we raise seed money for researchers who are in the early stages of their research. We give them hundred thousand uh, dollar grants, which are instrumental in getting that early stage research, so that they can then take that and go on and get the big bucks. Um, but it's something that Tom and I are obviously really passionate about. And so for the next month, I will be raising money for that, and that will be the best. Uh, uh, cancerversary present that you guys could give me. Cancerversary. Um, anyway, great as always to have you here, and we will talk Thank to you, you again soon. Bye. See you later. All right, guys. That is Erin Cummings. Great to have her back again. All right, guys, listen, we still have about uh, 20 minutes to go, so we're going to just fly through as many of these questions as we possibly can. See you later. Bye, Joey. All right, uh, let's get let's get back into it. Okay, I'm always distracted when Joey's here. Okay, uh, let's see. That was Ben Rayner. Let's move on here. After Ben, we've got Evil John Campy who writes as a, uh, a regular John. I've seen your your Earth's Pixar has a new movie coming called Luca. Are you coming? Uh, are you coming to age story? I think you meant a coming to age story uh, with a sea monster twist. Have you heard anything? And what do you think? My Earth's Pixar only does car sequels, so I prefer your Pixar. Um, yeah, I've heard about it. I saw the image they put out. Look, I am simply now in the position that I just assume anything that Pixar comes out is going to be fantastic. Right. I mean, because I have doubted Pixar before because, you know, I saw the previews for up and I thought that looks weird and I loved it. I saw the previews for Ratatouille. And I'm like, that, a rat is a chef. OK, that seems dumb. Love it. I saw the previews for Coco. I thought, OK, that looks kind of eh. Oh, Coco's so good. I saw the, the previews for Wally. I'm like, eh, really? And I loved it. So I have just I'm done. 
I am done. I am I am retired from the having any doubt whatsoever about Pixar business. The having any doubt about Pixar business, I'm out of that business. So I don't know much more about it other than the press release that they put out and that I read, but I just assume at this point it's probably going to be freaking fantastic. All right, Luke1234 writes, tech question. With all the cables you have in your studio, do you ever get noise interference? No, I do not. Uh, and have you ever used long USB cables? I do. As a matter of fact, I have a long USB cable. I have a USB cable extender attached on that webcam that I had to pull out at the last second to use uh, for Aaron. And have you ever used long USB cables? And if so, have you ever noticed slower response times if you have used them? Thank you. I, I have never. No, I have never personally. I guess it can depend on the quality of cable or, or whatever, but. No, I have never had an issue where I've had an issue uh, where I've had a problem with uh, any sort of delay or problems using a USB extender. Uh, so that's never been an issue. Now, I also use like really insulated cables and things like that for my audio stuff. Plus, my audio cables are pretty separate from all the other mess of cables that are flying around here from the video cables, all the cables coming out of the computer and stuff like that, too. But no, I I used to have noise problems like back in the AMC days. We used to have sound interference problems. And a lot of that had to do with the number of cables and electrical problems. But um, I have since solved those. So it can be an issue. Just make sure you keep your audio cables separated from anything else, really. Make sure you get like the higher quality cables, all that kind of stuff, and you should be good to go. But the USB extenders, I've never had an issue. All right, TJ Lynn writes, The other day when I said I tend to sleep during movies like Arrival or Blade Runner 2049, it's because of the silent moments. But I have no trouble getting through The King's Speech, Irishman, Lawrence of Arabia, because there's rarely silent moments. So it's not slower movies. It's movies that literally have long extended moments of silence gotcha that's that's good to know you know what i think my wife is the same way and as big of a movie fan as she is <coughs> and has trouble getting through a movie without falling asleep she really does and i think those quiet ones might the quiet moments might be the the same thing all right mr tg tj linos writes my country doesn't have disney plus but even if it's available here I won't pay $30 on top of a subscription. If I have to pay $30, I want a movie going experience. Fortunately, theaters here are opening mid-August so I can see Ten and Mulan. Okay, so you are lucky. You're in an area that does not have Disney Plus and your theaters are going to be open. Well, then you get to do what I can't do. You get to go watch Mulan the way it was meant to be seen on a big screen and pay less money to do it. Uh, so you are in a fortuitous situation as far as that goes. Uh, and I hope I hope you're able to, to take advantage of that, man. I really do. And I, and I feel your pain. Yeah, I mean, listen, especially if you're single, why would you, unless, look, let's be honest here. If a new Star Wars movie came out and they were, and they couldn't play it in theaters and it was going to be on a streaming service for $35, who am I kidding? Of course I'm going to pay for it. But it's a rare movie that I would do that for, right? It's a rare movie I would do that for. For some people, Mulan will be such a movie. Not for others, but for some people, it will be. So I have to kind of wait and see how this all kind of comes about. All right, Mr. TJ Lynn also writes, one of two. I recently rewatched Titanic. Nice. I remember when I was a teenage boy in 1997. I kind of hate this film, and especially girls of my age, because they adore Leo so much that I can't stand him. Now, seeing this film again, I love it. And Leo is so good and charismatic in it. Have you ever uh, feel this way when you were a teenager, a teenage heartthrob, grab the attention of girls around you? I know it's petty. No, listen, 
you're not alone in that, TJ. I remember we talked about this back in my movie blog days and even like on AMC and whatever. You know, when Titanic came out, yes, that that was in the era still of the, the teeny bopper magazines. And, you know, Leo DiCaprio was on the cover every other month of every other magazine. Right. He was the teenage heartthrob for all the teeny bopper girls and blah, 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 blah. And yeah, guys got sick of it. We did. Maybe it's petty, but we did. And it wasn't until he had done a few more films after that. It's It was kind of like the Robert Pattinson thing. A little bit different, but it was much like the Robert Pattinson thing. Because a lot of these small films that Robert Pattinson had done in the years after Twilight, like a lot of the guys, a lot of guys wouldn't go and watch Robert Pattinson films. What, the Twilight guy? Sparkly vampire boy? I mean, that, that's how a lot of people felt, right? I think that's how a lot of people felt. It's like, mm, the guy from Twilight, mm, no, I don't think I'll go see, uh, you know, High Life or Good Time. I don't think I'm going to go see those. No, thanks. Twilight Boy, no thank you. But then you do start to see those movies and you realize, holy crap, this dude's an excellent actor. Forget the, the sparkly vampire, teen throb, whatever. This dude's an excellent actor. That same thing happened with Leo DiCaprio. A lot of people forget about that now. Like we think of Leo DiCaprio, oh, he's one of the greatest actors in the world. Everybody knows that. But no, no, no. There was a period of time when he was Teeny Bopper Magazine Boy. And then it took a little bit, especially after everybody got sick of Titanic because of how successful it was. It took a few films for people to go, oh, wow. You you know that Leo DiCaprio kid? Well, the one who's in Titanic and like Romeo and Juliet. and the, the Yeah, I just saw this other movie of his. He's really freaking good. Get out of here. No, seriously, go watch it. And it's so there's almost a very similar kind of pattern. Uh, with that. So you weren't alone, TJ. You Believe me, you weren't alone in that. All right. Boris writes, I hope you brought a change of clothes because your eyes are about to piss tears. John Ralphio is the best guest character in the series. Hands down. Rewatching Parks and Rec because uh, I just found it on Amazon Prime in Australia. I miss this show so bad, dude. There's not. I, I honestly, there's not a week that goes by that. I don't watch one or two episodes of Parks and Rec. Dead serious. There is not a week that goes by that I don't watch at least one or two episodes of Parks and Rec. There are many, many times when it's like end of the day or Ann and I are, are, are about to have dinner. It's like, I want to put something on for a minute. Sure. We'll just randomly pick a random episode of Parks and Rec. I can watch it anytime. That in the office. Anytime I can put on a random episode because I know I'm going to laugh. And John Ralphio uh, with Tom is is truly one of the great recurring characters, not regular characters, but recurring characters pops up every once in a while that you're ever going to see in any sitcom ever. Um, why are you in such a good mood? I just got hit by a bus. Give me that sweet settlement money. I mean, there was something about and then ah, uh, he was he's great. He's an absolutely great character. And it's unfortunate because now whenever I see him in things, that's all I see is Jean Ralphio. But hey. It is what it is. All right. Uh, Nathan Diggs writes, hypothetically speaking, if you take a bigger IP like new Avengers movies and place it in the PVOD, do you think Disney Plus will have a hard time reaching the 25 million purchases? And should they also make the film available regularly in a year to force a purchase? Well, <clears throat> I think let's put it this way. Let's say Avengers five 
what's coming out, right? Avengers 5. Now, the last Avengers movie made $2.7 billion, nearly $3 billion, nearly $3 billion. So let's say Avengers 5 is probably going to be somewhere you'd expect in the same neighborhood. Let's call it potentially, potentially a $3 billion film. It doesn't have to be a $3 billion film to be a massive, massive, massive success. But let's say potentially it could be a, a $3 billion film. Okay. Let's take a look at this. If it made, if it did 25 million, let's say they put Avengers 5 up and it did uh, 25 million purchases, right? At 30 bucks a pop. <clears throat> That's insane. And it makes it $750 million. $750 million. That's huge. That's incredible. That's amazing. Yes, I think an Avengers 5 being released straight to VOD could definitely get 25 million buys. But here's the problem. The problem is that it could have potentially made $3 billion at the box office. Even if you do the 1.5 multiplier and take away the theatrical cut, you're still talking about a movie that would have netted $2 billion in your pocket. So $750 million versus $2 billion. But yes, I think unlike a Mulan and unlike even a Black Widow and unlike a New Mutants or unlike anything else, I do think Avengers 5 could very reasonably get 25 million buys. Nearly one out of every two Disney Plus subscribers getting it. I could see that. The problem, of course, becomes that that's still way short, way short of the money it would have made in theaters. And then three months after theaters, you could put it online and still make more money off it online. You know, it's a both and. You would have made all that money. You would have made that $2 billion in theaters, $3 billion at the box office. And then later, you get to put it on VOD, and you get to put it on Disney+, and you get to put it on premium rental, do whatever you want to do, and still make even more money. But yes, I do think, Nathan, that Avengers 5 could get 25 million buys. I, I, I feel pretty confident about that. Maybe even more. Maybe even more. All right, next up. Uh, Jordan Harper writes, what did you think of the future of Apple TV? I've enjoyed a number of shows such as The Morning Show and others. So will you look Apple laptop? Will you look Apple laptop once they have models with their own chip? Oh, so that's two separate questions. Number one, I'm really enjoying Apple TV, particularly Morning Show and uh, For All Mankind. I haven't started watching that Chris Evans show yet, but I've heard that's great too. Um, Apple TV is going to be fine because they have unlimited money. Disney doesn't have unlimited money. Apple has unlimited money. And Apple, um, they are all in on Apple TV+. Plus. They are all in on getting into the entertainment game. And they're doing pretty good so far. But long term, they've got all the money in the world to make it happen. And they have all the money in the world to even fail for a few years. Even if they fail for five years at it, they've got so much money, it doesn't matter. 
they could buy and sell Disney 10 times over. I'm not even exaggerating. Apple could buy and sell Disney 10 times over. So they have limited, they'll be fine. Uh, as far as, for those of you who don't know, Apple has just announced recently that they are ditching Intel processors and they're going to start to make their own proprietary processors, basically the same kind of processors that are in iPads and iPhones. And those processors are sick fast, sick fast. I literally render 4K video on my iPad faster than it renders on my beast of a desktop computer. It's crazy. But uh, yeah, I am definitely going to be looking at picking up one of the new Apple devices uh, once they start introducing their own chips. I am definitely going to be looking at that for sure. All right, next up, Saint71 writes, one of two. Hi, guys. Hope all is well. What do you think will be the reaction of the theaters to this Mulan experiment? Most reacted to Universal last week, but at least Universal was trying to find a middle way. Universal was not trying to find a middle way. They were trying to take advantage of a situation, and a 17-day theatrical window is not a middle ground. That's not a middle ground at all. Um, where's two of two? Is there a two of two? I don't see any two of two. Okay, so there was just saying uh, one of two. Um, there, once again... Disney reached out to all the theaters and let them know about this Mulan thing and consulted with them weeks before they made the announcement. So the theaters knew they were brought up to speed and they understood. Look, the theaters understand that unlike four months ago, which would have been unthinkable today, studios, listen, there's nowhere left to put these movies, right? You can't have a movie sitting on a shelf for a year and a half. So they understood that their studio partners are going to have to take some of their movies and move them onto straight to streaming because there's just nowhere else to put them. 2021 is already getting packed. 2021 was already full. And now we've got six months of movies that are getting moved into 2021 on top of the films that were in 2021 already. They understood just like they understood when Disney had to take Artemis Fowl and move it to straight to streaming. Just like they understood when some of the other studios had to take things like an American pickle and put it to HBO instead. Like they understand that because that's just the reality. There was a massive difference though, between what Warner brothers and Disney and Paramount have been doing versus what universal tried to do is trying to do. Universal is trying to take advantage of the pandemic and take advantage of a theatrical system that is hurting right now because of the pandemic and trying to force something on the theaters that they never would agree to under normal circumstances. And they're trying to force the issue. So whereas studios like Warner Brothers and Disney and all them are acting in good faith, you know, Warner Brothers, Disney, Paramount, Sony, they're all acting in good faith and saying, we're trying to figure out how we all get through this together. Universal, on the other hand, without consulting with the theaters, just pulled Trolls World Tour and put it on streaming immediately without consulting the theaters, letting them know what they were doing. They've been now they're trying to force down on the theatrical movement this whole 17, 17 day window thing, and they did it by going after AMC, which is the most in trouble theater chain. So no, it's it's not similar. You know, the theaters and Warner Brothers, Disney, Paramount, Sony, they're all maintaining their relationship and they're all trying to figure out how do we all get through this together and we each need to do certain things that we need to do. Universal is a totally different situation, unfortunately. Uh, let's see. Uh, Brandon writes, 
I know that it's off topic, but I just thought we should take a moment to send our condolences to the victims in Beirut, Lebanon. It is a truly horrific scene, and I send my prayers to the folks over there. I saw that video footage. That it, 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 listen, if you were there five miles away and you saw it, you would, thought, you would think somebody just dropped a nuke. I mean, it was a mushroom cloud and everything. I mean, that was, oh my God, that was horrible. Um, apparently, some misstored stuff just exploded. And oh, that was horrible to see. Horrible to see. Thank you for bringing that up, Brendan. All right. Uh, Alan Dale writes, one of two. VOD is okay for mid to low budget, but not big blockbusters. Like in Falling Down, it's not economically viable. Without theaters, there is no big budget blockbusters like Endgame or Star Wars or Batman, etc. No, I, 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 yeah. And that's one of the things that like Disney and other studios have been trying to tell people. It's like the economic realities are for us to make these movies, we need to make X amount of dollars. And to make those kinds of dollars, we need theatrical exhibition to make those types of dollars. That's what we do. And then it's movies like Avengers Infinity War making two point something billion dollars that not only pays for the other MCU movies, but also pays for Disney and their subsidiaries to make other types of films as well. You know, we heard uh, Martin Scorsese say that once, uh, you know, he, he, Martin Scorsese, I understand the reality is that the big money-making films don't only make a lot of money for the studios, but that money pays for the smaller artistic films as well. That's what pays for those other movies is the block. The blockbusters pay for those other movies. And so there's this whole economic reality that everybody's trying to find their way in and the pandemic has thrown it all into chaos. And so you're seeing studios and, and theaters scrambling, trying to figure out how do we exist within this kind of reality. All right, next up, Mr. TJ Lynn writes, both Titanic and Endgame reached $2 billion worldwide. They also feature the death of their main character, Leo and Robert Downey Jr. Which do you think will earn, will earn significantly less money had the main character survived at the end? And hi, Aaron. Yeah, Aaron, you just missed Aaron. Um, Robert Downey Jr., Iron Man dying at the end, irrelevant, completely irrelevant. That movie wouldn't have made $1 more or $1 less had Robert Downey Jr. not died at the end. Not $1 more, not $1 less. I think, because I don't think people, if, if Robert Downey Jr. hadn't died at the end, I don't think people would have gone, you know, I would have come back to watch Endgame again, but because Iron Man lived, I don't think I'm going to go watch it again. You know, I don't think there was that for that for anybody. Leo dying. Jack. 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 Let Jack on the damn floating piece of wood. Jack. Jack. As he floats down the thing and everybody's crying. I think that had a huge impact um, on uh, to be stereotypical for science, especially the female audience at the time, desperately wanting to go back and watch that movie again and dragging their friends to come see it. I don't think the Iron Man death did that. Especially since when you consider the MCU is the Marvel Cinematic fake death universe, right? We all know Robert Downey Jr. will be back as Iron Man at some point. Maybe not next year. Maybe not next year. Maybe not in three years. But at some point, we all know Robert Downey Jr. is going to be back. Just like Spider-Man, Mr. Stark, I don't want to go, Mr. Stark. Oh, don't worry. You're going to go and you'll be back in uh, just a few minutes. Don't worry about it. We'll see you in the next movie, kid. Um, like we all know that, right? So... I don't think the Robert Downey Jr. Iron Man death had he not died. I don't think it makes a lick of difference at the box office. Leo's character, that ending of Titanic, though, I think that got a lot of people coming back for multiple viewings. So I think that one probably would have had the bigger impact. All right. 
Uh, Boris writes, hey, John, another from me. For Mulan, can't they work out a deal for cinemas and VOD? I love in, I live in Western Australia where cinemas are now open and I really don't want to watch it on VOD or wait. Wouldn't it be more financially beneficial for both parties? No. See, movie theaters, movie theaters understand it is not in their interests to play movies that also like they need the theatrical window. They need it to survive. Uh, I remember back when I was working at AMC, I, I told this story before, but when I went out to the headquarters in Leewood, Kansas, I remember talking to one of the AMC executives because the, the theatrical window was an issue that was coming up at the time. This was years ago and said, if we lost a theatrical window, it would be catastrophic for the theatrical industry. It would just be catastrophic. We can't do it. And I don't think that's changed. I think that that is still true today. And so movie theaters will simply not play movies that are also playing on VOD. They have to hold that line because if they don't hold that line, then they're going to get taken advantage of. So sometimes, you know, this is true in your life as well. You have to draw a line. That's why a lot of unions sometimes will say, hey, in these work conditions, we, not, we need to have this. And then employers will say, well, why don't you just give us this too? And then sometimes the workers just got to say, no, we got to draw the line here or else it's going to be taking advantage of us and it's not in our interest. And I think that's where the theaters are with the theatrical window. They need that theatrical window. It's good for business. And so, no, I, cinemas won't play it. Again, not all cinemas. I'm just the majority of cinemas, but, but not all of them. Certainly not all of them. All right, next up, Starscream writes, Hello, and welcome back, Erin. She's not here anymore. Um, first, I'd like to say I'm sorry for the passing of her friend, uh, Nick Cordero. Obviously, you guys probably saw in the news, Erin uh, and Tom's friend passed away, uh, Nick Cordero. And hope all is well. John, I have to agree. Transformers, there was a lack of respect for Optimus Prime. He was supposed to be the greatest of us. Uh, even in Megatron's hatred of Optimus Prime, he always respected him and sometimes feared him. And I won't go into any spoilers, but certainly bots being there made no sense in continuity and i and and still i did great as i always do stay safe and stay filthy well thank you starscream yeah listen i was fine because you look at new incarnations like this just forget continuity continuity schmontinuity this you know war for cybertron that's on netflix right now is a is its own new thing and it's not going to be in perfect proper continuity with everything else it doesn't need to be so, yeah, you were right. You know, it's not in continuity. Like what happens with Ultra Magnus in this movie is it completely out of continuity with what happens with Ultra Magnus in the Transformers animated movie, right? So you just got to, you not got to not worry about that. But yes, I agree, Starscream. My biggest issue with this Transformers thing was the way they handled Optimus Prime. I still liked it. I, I still liked it. I'll watch the next chapter when it comes out. Uh, but I did have a bit of an issue with that. Canada Rocks writes, have you seen the trailer for the new series Ratchet? I mean, Ratchet. Uh, Sarah Paulson looks like she's going to kill kill it as a young nurse. Uh, Ratchet also. Uh, this has to be the most aesthetically beautiful trailer I've seen in a long time. Listen, I will tell you what. This trailer? Hold on a second. Uh, uh, let me just pull this up. Um, there we go. It's a uh, Ratchet with a D at the end. Um, of course, it's a prequel. The nurse from uh, One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest. It looks awesome. My favorite part 
that I like I was sitting alone watching this trailer and I just burst out laughing and I had to rewind it because it's so awesome. There's a scene where like Nurse Ratched is standing there and another nurse is sitting down and eating a peach that was on the table and Sarah Paulson's like, that's my peach. And the other nurse goes, I don't see your name on it. That's ridiculous. Nobody puts their names on peaches. And then the other nurse goes, what are you going to do about it? And Sarah Paulson just stares at her. And the nurse goes, what, are you deaf? And Sarah Paulson goes, no, I'm just thinking about all the things I'm going to do about it. I freaked out that that moment and that line was so good. That moment and that line was so good. What are you deaf? No, I'm just thinking about all the things I'm going to do about it. I'm like, holy crap. I would be scared witless. One of the great villains in theatrical history. Yeah, that trailer looked pre- I had no interest in that show. No interest in it till I saw that trailer. Now I'm interested. All right. Uh, Batman. Right. So with Cineworld UK open week now, I have already seen the Dark Knight trilogy, Empire Strikes Back, Back to the Future, and this weekend have the Lord of the Rings trilogy, the extended cut, no less. So it's going to be long. Uh, you settle in for 12 hours. And Terminator 2 booked. As they say, every cloud has a silver lining. Dude, that is awesome. And again, in the midst of the all the BS with the pandemic, There are a few little tiny silver linings, and one of them being film fans being able to watch some great classic films on the big screen that they never thought they'd get a chance to watch on the big screen again. And look at that lineup you did. Back to the Future, The Dark Knight Trilogy, Empire Strikes Back, The Whole Lord of the Rings. I'm dying to see The Lord of the Rings. Theatrical cut. I'm dying to see The Lord of the Rings on the big screen again. That's one of the things I'm really looking forward to, so I'm a little bit envious there, Batman, a little bit envious. All right, next up, Alan writes, Hey, John slash Rob slash Aaron. I was wondering if you ever watched the Transformers Cybertron animated series. It had the Omega lock with cyber planet keys. Never heard of it. Uh, You think that storyline could ever get adapted? Seems like the story is already laid out. Uh, Team Godzilla, get out of here with that. Team Kong, man. Um, No, never did watch it. Never did watch it. So I, I really don't. I have no idea what the Cybertron uh, the cyber planet keys are. I don't know what the Omega lock is. Don't know any of that. I, I I didn't really watch a lot of the Transformers stuff other than the OG series, the original animated movie. And uh, I tried a little bit of Beast Wars. Didn't work for me. I know a lot of people love Beast Wars and that's great. It never really worked for me. But no, I never saw the Cybertron animated series. I never watched it. So unfortunately, Alan, I can't give you my insight on that since I, I'm not familiar with it. Chicago Minion writes, We just got a few minutes left here, guys. Hey, John and Rob, just saw in Variety, Peacock announced that all eight Harry Potter films, as I predicted, uh, will be available to stream in Windows uh, starting later this year and rolling out into 2021, including Peacock's free, uh, free version. Your thoughts? Yeah, like when they made the announcement that HBO Max was losing all the Harry Potter films. Um, are imme- because there were pre-existing deals with, with NBC Universal. We, we said on this show, the assumptive thing here is probably we're going to see it pop up on uh, Peacock. I still, you think I get used to saying that stupid name by now? I think got to change the name of that thing. Anyway, uh, that would be Peacock. And then the other day they made it official. Yeah, you're going to see all the Harry Potter. I don't know how long that license lasts. At some point, it will go back to HBO. It'll go to to the Warner-owned HBO Max at some point. But whether that point is in five years, two years, eight years, I I don't know. But hey, listen, Battlestar Galactica is on Peacock. 
Heroes is on Peacock. You're going to have the Warner. You're going to have the Harry Potter stuff. Peacock's putting together a nice little lineup. Now they just got to get on Roku and uh, the Amazon Fire Stick. All right. Um, Guillaume LaBelle writes, uh, Good day, sir. Saw Jaws the other day in theaters. Nice. And to my surprise, it was packed with safety precautions, of course. Next week, E.T. and Unhinged the week after. I'm looking forward to seeing that Unhinged. That's the new Russell Crowe film. Uh, side note, my name is said like uh, uh, Guillaume. Oh, like the actor Robert Guillaume. Uh, Guillaume, Robert Guillaume, a good Canadian kid, by the way, Robert Guillaume. So it's pronounced Guillaume. I, you know what? I think you told me that before. And I always forget when I come across it. I will try to remember that next time, Guillaume. I will try to remember that just like the actor, Robert Guillaume. All right. I will try to keep that in mind. Again, silver linings, getting to see. It's great that you got to see Jaws. I would love, I've never seen Jaws on the big screen. I would love to see Jaws on the big screen. I've never been able to do that. All right. Ryan Loner writes, the trailer for Netflix's a ratchet took me from having zero interest to, I have to see this right now. Even if the show itself sucks, that is some great work. I, I was just saying that Ryan, I was not interested in this show. That trailer is amazing. If you've not seen it yet, guys, you got to go find it and look it up. All right. Uh, Mani writes, I was in college in the late 90s, and I loved my cannabis and watching indie movies at the local indie movie theater. Some memorable favorites, Run Lola Run, Pie, uh, The Big Lebowski, Keep Safe and Social Distance like the Stanley Cup. Oh, that's mean. Like the Stanley Cup and the Leafs have since 1967. You know what? People always look at me, tell me, ask, act like I'm lying. But it's like people, I hear people complaining about, well, my team sucks. My team. Oh, yeah. My team. The Toronto Maple Leafs, they haven't even been, let alone one, they haven't even been to the Stanley Cup Finals in the entire time that I have drawn breath on this earth. It had already been years since they had been there when I was born. It had already been years. But my team, and in my entire lifetime, has never even been to the Stanley Cup Finals. All right, last one we're going to do today here, guys. Jordan Harper writes, Hey, John, I have reached the point that when I hear Star Wars news, I not believe it or um, or know in a few months it will lose the director. Once I see photos of a director on set, I will start to get excited again. Do you think this is a fair reaction? Yeah. Listen, I, I honestly also can't get that excited about Star Wars news right now. Because tons of things get announced and then we never hear anything or directors depart or whatever, because that's just been one of the weaknesses of Kathleen Kennedy trying to run Lucasfilm. I, I just don't like even when the amazing news came that Taika Waititi was going to direct a Star Wars film. I, I was excited, but even then my excitement had a limit because I still have this shade of doubt that we're ever actually going to see that happen. You're right. We're at the point. We're at the point with Star Wars now, with all these things that they were constantly. It, it felt like every week and a half there was a, some big new new a Star Wars announcement, but then nothing. Right. I'm getting to the point of okay, that's cool, but I'll believe it when there's actually when once it's tangible. Like you said, once I see a picture of the director on set, then I'll start to get excited. All right, guys. Listen, there's still more questions to come, like Fifty Shades of Geek, uh, Chris Warden, the Lone Brown Coat, and others. 
Do not worry, guys. We've run out of time for today, but tomorrow we will start off the live questions part of the show with your questions. So the very first, once we start the live questions part of the show tomorrow, your guys will be the first questions up. So we'll get. So if you've sent in a question here today, we haven't got to it. Don't worry. It'll be addressed off the top tomorrow before we get into tomorrow's fresh questions. All right, guys. That will do it for me for now. Thank you so much for being here. Special thanks to Aaron Cummings for being here. It's always good to have her here. Thank you to all of you guys for making the show part of your day. And a special thank you to you guys who sent in those questions. Because number one, you gave us great fun things to talk about. Number two, you supported this show while you did it. And all of us here, thank you very much for that. Don't forget, guys, the show will be back again tomorrow. My name is John Campy, guys. Do the four important things. Stay smart. Stay safe. Take care of yourselves. For the love of God, keep Take care of the people around you as well. And until next time, my friends, bye-bye.